0: Welcome into the Thomas Fitch Sports Show, uh, Season 3, Episode 9, I think, maybe 8. Not exactly sure, but great weekend for Texas football. Picks up a huge win on the road against Texas Tech. We'll be breaking that down. We'll look ahead at the uh, Big 12 Conference uh, conference standings and, and the championship races. Texas stays alive in that category, and we'll look at what Texas needs to do to get to there. Um, we'll look at college football um, the playoff rankings stay the same, but have a little special surprise at the end of the show. So all that and more coming up next. Stay tuned. All right. So you know the 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 thing for the Longhorns was coming into this week against Tech. They needed a win to stay alive in the Big Twelve. Race Do that, 41-34 win over Texas Tech. Huge win coming on the road, especially granted against backup quarterback, but Jet Duffy um, definitely not a slouch at backup. Played a great game. Um, Tech, again, started off quick. Uh, something that Texas has struggled with is starting off at eight of the 10 games the opposing team has scored first. Uh, Tech did that again. They were up 7 nothing Looked like it was going to be 14 nothing They had a third down on... I want to say the Texas three and um, Duffy got pressured, throws an interception to Devontae Davis. We'll talk more about defense and turnovers in a little bit, but that kind of turned the game. That was really the turning point of this game for Texas. Um, They go down, uh, they just kick a field goal there, but then they're able to explode and go on a little bit of a run. Um, They're up bigger in the second half, up 17, and then uh, Tech starts coming back again. That's... That's something that we will talk about in, in a second because a lot of people have kind of criticized Texas for giving up a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter, even though they won. Um, we'll talk about why that happened, why it was more than just the defense falling short. Um, there's a lot of external factors that I think people aren't always looking at um, of why that happened. So we'll talk about that. Um, LJH, Lil' Jordan, Humphrey coming in clutch. Um, again, like I said, Tech uh, tied it up. Texas had a, a, uh, you know, end of the game drive. Drives down the field with about 20-something seconds left. Uh, Ellinger finds Lil Jordan in the end zone, the Crabtree corner, and he uh, steps in the end zone to give Texas the win. So let's let's go ahead and break down the offensive performance. You know, it it was another great performance by the offense. They really have... Um, ever since the, the Baylor game, and even when you look at the Baylor game, that was playing with Bouchelle. So, really since the Kansas State game, um, offenses looked great. Ellinger's looked really good. Ellinger was 22-34, of 312 yards, four touchdowns. So, a great game for Ellinger. He keeps being clutch, um, obviously leading the team on a game-winning drive. Um, so, Ellinger, great game. Watson and Ingram both had good games. Trey Watson had 18 rushes for 58 yards. Ingram, 18 for, or sorry, 14 for 83. And, uh, really feels like Trey Watson has kind of made a step up the last two games from where he's been, even though Ingram outrushed him and had a better yard per carry average. Um, Watson is doing a much better job of keeping his feet and moving his legs and fighting for those extra yards. And that's something that Really hadn't been there for him the beginning of the season, so it's good to see him improve. Ingram also had a couple times where he broke some tackles. That's one thing I think he struggled with, is there's so many times where he kind of breaks through the line, has a big hole, and then just gets tripped up. And we've kind of been waiting to see that explosion, see a big breakout run. Still not like a you know 50-yard run, but he had a good 26-yard run where he kind of hurtled, not hurtled over a guy, but just kind of high-stepped out. And so it's good to see the running backs improving. Obviously, Lil' Jordan having um, an incredible game, eight receptions for 159 yards. Um, Colin Johnson didn't play, had a knee injury, and uh, so stepping in was Drought Hurd, uh, and Hurd had a great game, six receptions, 54 yards. Duvernay also had some... Duvernay had a great touchdown catch, one of his two, but he was four receptions for 66 yards. So overall, offense looked really good, and I think one thing you have to remember... When you look at the offense in this game, and you know, really against Oklahoma State, against West Virginia, while they look good, Texas is going against teams with poor defenses, and I, I wouldn't say that that um, discredits the performance. I think you still look at it and say, okay, yeah, Texas played great, and if the offense was worse, they wouldn't have been able to do this good, but. I think you also got to take it with a grain of salt and say, okay, yeah, this is a good Texas offense, but they're playing against Big 12 defenses all the time. And so naturally, they're going to look a little bit better. Um, And and to an extent, I think that may be why you don't see guys like, you know, you don't see Ellinger um, being talked about at all in the Heisman race, even though he has the fewest interceptions since week one, Um, you know, alongside some, I'm not sure if it's 18 or 20-something touchdown passes, Um, averaging 300-plus yards per game and doing a lot on the ground. You know, LJH, there's no reason that Lil' Jordan shouldn't be in the wide receiver of the year uh, category. He's just unguardable at this point. But, again, when you're going against Oklahoma and West Virginia and Oklahoma State and Tech, teams with no defense, your stats are going to be padded a little bit. Now, regardless, these guys look really good, and I think there's a lot of hope in that. And and this is what I was saying last week, is, you know, this— this was never going to be a Texas team this year who was going to win the national championship. They, they might contend for a little bit, but they were never going to win a national championship. And so that's why you have to look at the season and say, you know what, they're going to lose some games, and that's okay, but they're building for the future. Sam Ellinger is the future of this team, and he still has two years left. And that's, that's the reassuring part is, is this is a two-year process. And um, the goal for Tom Herman, and I'm sure for Ellinger, is the 2020 season. Next year is going to be the tune-up, see how good you can do, maybe make the college football playoff. And then 2020, you come back, he's a senior, you have all these guys, Kane Stearns, um, B.J. Foster, all, all the young guys up front, um, all the young receivers, Malcolm Epps, Brennan Eagles, Josh Moore, and all the new recruits coming in. All of a sudden, those guys are sophomores, juniors, seniors. And, and so that, that has 2019, 2020, that's what you're building towards. And I think Longhorn fans need to remember that and need to be patient with that. Um, and I think the same could be said about Texas basketball. We'll talk about that um, probably more next semester when we get into um, basketball. You know, more into the heart of basketball season. Um, but I think that's important to remember: is you got to be patient with this team because this is this is a good team, but this is still a young, developing team that um, has some work to do. Um, so speaking of work to do, let's go to the defensive side. The defense gives up 34 points in this game. Um, and really could have been worse if it weren't for three red zone turnovers. And, you know, it is crazy. I, I've talked about this the last couple of weeks, but it is crazy how much of an impact getting turnovers and forcing sacks has, um, against Oklahoma state against West Virginia, zero sacks, zero turnovers against Texas tech. It was three turnovers and four sacks and Texas, Texas wins the game. Um, And not only was it those three turnovers, like I mentioned before, the Devontae Davis interception in the end zone that was brought on because Duffy was under pressure. There was that one. There was Devontae Davis getting the strip and the recovery in the uh, not in the red zone, but like inside the 30. Then you have Chris Boyd ripping the ball out of uh, Duffy's hand on like the 23 yard line. And so those turnovers were huge because it stops the momentum of tech, gives Texas the ball back. And that was what we hadn't seen the last couple games. And that change was huge and is the reason that Texas won this game um, and I know a lot of people are talking about the uh, how Texas gave up uh, 17 points as Arya Basami says jet Duffy is a tortilla I, I I don't disagree with that um, but uh, you know Texas gives up 17 straight points in the fourth quarter and a lot of people say oh this is just another example of the the defense collapsing but there are a lot of factors that when people are saying that, they're not taking into account. This defense is really banged up, and especially in the fourth quarter. Secondary-wise, without Kane Stearns, Devontae Davis, Brandon Jones. Three of your four starters, you're without. On the front, you have Chris Nelson, who's banged up. You have uh, Brecken Hager, who's banged up, who's not being able to play every down, who literally is standing up shaking in pain because he has, he's playing with a dislocated elbow that he dislocated last week. And, and I just want to take a second to talk about how crazy that is. That's normally a four- to six-week recovery period, and he's playing a week later. That dude is on something else. He is, he is a true football guy, Brecken and Hager, um, and he, he had a great game, too, First, having a dislocated elbow. Um, but, you know, like I said, three of the four secondary starters hurt. Um, Nelson banged up. Hager bang, banged up. Marquez Bimich, a backup on the D-line, hurt and out for the game, and so... When when you look at that, it's no surprise that Texas gave up 17 points. And of those 17 points, what happened was it was a question, there was a couple of questionable calls. And, again, I, I don't like to say that a ref affected the game. But there were a couple of times where they did not even look at some questionable calls. They didn't go back and review it. And that's something that frustrates me because if you're going to – like, I'm fine if you make a call and then say we're going to go back and review it. That makes sense. That makes sense because it's saying, you know what? Not, didn't have a great view of this, but we're going to go back and look at it. The fact that the refs didn't even go back and look at a couple um, key plays, one was a almost interception by B.J. Foster in the end zone, um, teching it up, uh, kicking a field goal there. Um, the next drive, um, they get the ball back, and it was a questionable catch on the sideline, like a 30-yard reception down the sideline where his, his foot was maybe inbounds. Just couldn't tell from from the look, and they didn't review that. And so that's just... Those are situations where it's not even like the officiating; it's the decisions to not look at the play and say, "You know what? We may, we might have, maybe should have overturned that." So that would have been great to see. So, so you take into account injuries, some possible missed, miss calls slash miss reviews, and then Tech pulled off a perfect slash lucky, not sure which, probably a little bit of both, on side kick. The the Tech kicker literally drilled the ball. Um, right at, at like the face of of PJ Locke um, when Texas wasn't expecting an onside kick, this was about maybe ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, so you're not really expecting um, uh, an onside kick when when you're you're up fourteen. Uh, but um, line drive kick, PJ Locke puts his hands up to keep from getting hit in the face. The ball bounces right back to Tech and they and they recover it, and, and that's one of those cases where. You know what? Like, there's not much you can do about it. Like, I don't care how good of a team you have, that's just stuff like that just happens, and and so that happens. Tech goes down and scores. Texas gets the ball back three and out because they get conservative, and Tech scores again, tie ball game. Obviously, then uh, Texas goes down. At little Jordan with the catch in the Crabtree corner for the touchdown. But you know, I just think what 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 people forget is. Well, obviously, like I talked about the injuries, the kind of like lucky plays. But the other thing is like comebacks like this happen all the time in football, uh, in college, in pro, and simply because the offense gets conservative. And it's a lot easier to stop a conservative offense um, than an offense that's taking some risks. And I think this Texas, when Texas gets conservative, they're really easy to stop because it's just running the ball up the middle and little out, out routes. And so I think that and I'm not necessarily saying Tim Beck needs to be aggressive there and just going for deep bombs because, again, you want to keep the clock running. You want to uh, eliminate a risk of turnovers. But I think there needs to be a balance in, you know, you take the foot off the pedal, you, whatever. You take your foot off the pedal, the team goes zooming by. And um, that happens all the time. Um, you also got to remember, t- this is a good Texas Tech offense. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury may not be a good defensive coach, but he's an excellent offensive mastermind. And so... A comeback like that, for me, honestly, doesn't disappoint me about the defense. What, what disappoints me more is is um, the start and not being able to come out um, and stop the team immediately. Because, like I said, it was almost almost a fourteen to nothing game by tech. If it wasn't for that Devonte Davis interception, and so th- that that's why and, and, and it's the offense too. I think the offense did a better job of starting, but. Texas has to stop being down seven zero or even worse. Obviously, the Oklahoma State game, you know, it was it was a 17-point Texas trail by 17 points um, going into the second quarter. And it doesn't matter how good you play the rest of the game. That's starting with a 17-point disadvantage that's hard to come back from. So Texas needs to get out of the gates faster um, and start the game better. Um, let's see. Um, oh, a couple of players of the game I want to talk about. Uh, obviously Devontae Davis, he was big 12 defensive player of the week, two huge turnovers, both the interception and the, the fumble strip and recovery to be able to force the fumble and then recover is incredible. And, uh, you know, there's some luck there of just which way the ball bounces. That was great. Chris Boyd, obviously the other player who had the, um, the turnover, just literally ripping the ball out of Duffy's hands. That was incredible. But the other player I want to talk about is Gary Johnson, someone who, um, uh, I wouldn't say he's flown under the radar, but I would say to an extent for how much he was hyped at the beginning of the season has kind of flown under the radar. Had a great game, nine tackles, one and a half sacks. And what impresses me so much about him is the closing speed. Um when he's in pursuit and there's, you know, a guy running, his closing speed to close in on them is so deadly. And uh, you know, it's a shame it's his last year here, but he's he's really playing great and that's a position that Texas needs to be strong with some injuries in the front, injuries in the back, lack of depth everywhere um, except for in the back. But a lot of injuries, a lot of lack of depth. Him and Wheeler need to stay strong, and they've, and they've done a good job of leading that defense and uh, really playing discipline deep. Um, so let's talk about a little bit the Big 12 conversation because Texas is still in the hunt it's it's a four way four way race at this point uh, between Texas Iowa State West Virginia and Oklahoma that's right Iowa State is uh still uh, still has a chance to make the Big 12 championship which is exciting um latest college football playoff poll has Texas 15 Iowa State 16 so going to be a great matchup at DKR on Saturday night but let's look at the the possibilities for Texas to make it to the Big 12 championship game what needs to happen For that to happen. So um, the first thing is Texas wins out. um, Obviously beats Iowa State. Beats Kansas. Then West Virginia OU wins this week. West Virginia beats OU. Same thing as we talked about last week. Um, Other possibility. Obviously OU beat Oklahoma State last week. That was a bummer. Um, Oklahoma State had a two point conversion to win the game. And of course when we want a two point conversion to be successful. It actually isn't. When we don't want it to be successful. It is. Um, But that would have won the game. But instead... Uh, falls short, so OU pulls that one out. But Oklahoma State plays West Virginia this week. So if Oklahoma obviously Texas wins out, Oklahoma State beats West Virginia. It doesn't matter who wins between West Virginia and OU. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, it doesn't matter who wins between West Virginia and OU. Texas is in regardless. Um, and so uh, that, that's kind of the thing to watch. And, and the reason that Texas is in regardless is because um, if it becomes a three-way tiebreaker between Texas, West Virginia. And, uh, OU, it it would become a, a a little round or not round robin. It would be, yeah, it'd be a round robin looking at how the three teams did against each other. West Virginia would have a better record because they would have beaten OU, would have beaten Texas. So then it becomes a head to head again between Texas and OU and Texas has that no matter what. So, um, regardless of what happens, um, Texas would win if, if, um, if Oklahoma State beats West Virginia uh, and Texas wins out, um, so that'll be that's that's kind of what to watch for this weekend as far as uh, Texas playing or sorry Oklahoma State playing West Virginia and Texas playing Iowa State and you know I wouldn't say the Big Twelve is the best conference in, in in the nation by a long shot um, I don't think any of the teams in the conference have a chance to make the college football playoff but I just want to I just want to make a note that this week in the conference you have Texas Iowa State you have um, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Next week, you have West Virginia, OU, and at, at all, all, all those teams still in the hunt for for the conference championship. And the SEC, they're all playing the Citadel and Idaho and Middle Tennessee State and a bunch of you know low level FBS teams just to try to you know get an extra win to help make a bowl. And I and and you know obviously the SEC championship already set. And, and that's the difference between the conferences. Yeah, the SEC has teams like Alabama and Georgia who have a, a shot to make the college football playoff. I purposely left LSU out on that because I think they're overrated. But yeah, they have, they have really good teams. But you know what? The SEC isn't that fun to watch. And some people might disagree, but I've watched very few SEC games this year. Honestly, some of the most fun games are A&M's games because they don't have a great defense. And I'm not saying... I think there is... Somebody made this point that there's an extent where scoring back and forth and back and forth and back and forth gets a little boring, but it's still more exciting than watching a team win nine to six or watching Alabama win twenty four to nothing against another ranked opponent. You know, or twenty nine to nothing against LSU at home, or sorry, on the road. You know, and that, that's you know that was a prime time game, and so that's that's the, that's the thing about the SEC is the SEC is just not fun to watch. I don't care if the teams are good. I'd rather watch. Arizona State play Utah at 1030 at night then watch Alabama play LSU again just because it's not going to be a good game and even if it's close it's not pretty and and okay I'm gonna go back on the not pretty because Alabama plays really good football but seeing a, a 3-0 game a 9-6 game a 24-0 game is not that exciting and I and I I, I think some people would disagree and I to an extent Look, it's fun to see teams play in a low-scoring game, but when you're watching football all weekend, you get tired of that. So that's just my little, I don't know, Big 12 may not be better than SEC, but it's more fun to watch. Um, and uh, same thing like Big, uh, Big 10. Big Ten's more fun to watch than the SEC. Pac-12, the ACC. The ACC is full of crap teams in Clemson, and I'd still rather watch you know, NC State play Florida State than watch Alabama LSU. Um, so let's move on to our little special teams minute. Special teams player of the week, Cameron Dicker, um two huge field goals. Uh the biggest one was a 52-yarder just knocked it right down the middle on a really windy night and uh just showing a lot of poise. And you know and, and the other thing, um this goes for Dicker, this goes for Ellinger too, but the lack of nervousness I feel when Dicker kicks and I would say the same thing, lack of nervousness I feel when Ellinger's on the ball has the ball, you know, on a last minute drive. It's a good feeling, and that's a feeling that I, I think as a Texas fan, I don't think many Texas fans have had, um, is has confidence. And I think it was – someone was talking. I think it was Lil Jordan or someone else on the team was talking about how much confidence this team has. And I think that's a large part because they have a leader, because Sam Ellinger's the leader, and he's, he's done such a good job. And, and I would say in general Sam, Sam Ellinger reminds me of Colt McCoy, but his swagger reminds me of Vince Young the laid back, the, you know, throws a bomb down to the two and is, you know, dancing to Mo Bamba. You know, in, in the Oklahoma State game, I know they lost that game, but heading into the fourth quarter, you know, you looking at him talking to the players going, hey, we got this, we got this. That's, a, that's confidence. And there's been no confidence uh, in Texas football from the fans, and I feel like that's the same for the players because there's not a lot of confidence when you have a quarterback who's, you know, a young quarterback leading the team. Or just someone who, like, you know, obviously, Ellinger last year's risk of mistakes. Buchel, just a below-average quarterback. And so now you have a quarterback who can get things done, who has confidence in himself and in his team. And that's revolutionary. And the same goes for Dicker. Um, and the confidence he has as, as a freshman, the confidence I have in him as a, in a freshman is incredible. Um, so, yeah, he's the special teams player of the week. Um so this Special Teams Minute is uh, sponsored by my new nonprofit organization, Michael Dixon, for the NFL Pro Bowl. Um, and that is a little offshoot of Michael Dixon for NFL MVP. Um, but this spe- specific foundation, again, not for profit, um, but it's all all uh, about raising awareness of how Michael Dixon is the best player in the NFL. And uh, uh, the goal of it is to get him to the Pro Bowl. And, and hopefully, obviously, the, the big goal is NFL MVP and uh, future Hall of Famer. Um, So if you want to support this foundation, go to uh, http colon slash slash www.nfl.com slash Pro Bowl slash ballot and vote for Michael Dixon. Only Michael Dixon. Don't vote for any other punter because a vote against Michael Dixon uh, or a vote for any other punter is a a vote against Michael Dixon. So make sure you vote only for Michael Dixon for punter. I'll also put the link up on Twitter, but um, love for you all to be able to support uh, uh, that foundation. All right, so let's go to talking college football. Um, And we're going to switch up this segment just a little bit, the reason being the top ten stayed the same. So there's no reason to kind of go through by yourself because I did that last week. If you want to check that out and see my buy sell I don't don't think any of that changed, um, except I did say Clemson was going to lose, and they didn't. So might as well pencil in in Clemson for the college football playoff. Uh, But, you know, other than that, not much changed. The top ten... All those teams won. I think it was the first time since I'm like 2009 or something like that where the top 10 teams have won this late in the season. Um, so, yeah, not going to talk about that. Hopefully we'll have some more drama, so we'll have some more stuff to talk about next week. Um, but the way we're switching up is, uh the surprise I talked about, I have a new idea for bowl games. Um, and I think this could be a really, really good idea. So, obviously I'm a big big proponent of the 18 team playoff Um and we can talk about that maybe later down the line um, when they release final college football rankings. If uh, chaos happens, which it could, where teams are getting left off, but this is a little different. I got this idea. I don't know if y'all have seen the college football ESPN college football playoff ads where they kind of they have like the four teams and they like are switching different teams through it, um, and it's like who's in. Um, and at times when you freeze it, like there's one example. It, is if you freeze at this one point, you get Texas, Iowa, Syracuse, and Mississippi State in the playoff. None of those teams are, are, are remotely close to being in the playoff this year. I guess Syracuse is the closest. But none of those teams are going to be in the college football playoff. And so my thought that came up when I looked at that, I was like, okay, all of those four teams are kind of, their ranked teams are kind of 15 to 25, two, three, four lost teams. Um, that would make for a good playoff. And and that kind of spawned into an idea of what if we just threw bowl games out the window, and just started a mini playoff, um, mini fourteen playoff, you know, kind of going down the line. Um, obviously, other than the, the the college football playoff, whether it's a four, six, eight-team playoff. So here's how it'll work: outside of the teams that get into the the college football playoff, you know, for the national championship, you kind of break you break break the 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 mini playoffs down the same way you would do bowl games except there's four teams so for ex- example you'd have like the Big 12 second place team and the Big 10 second place team and the Pac 12 second place team and like the AAC you know the American Athletic you know first place team and they all play you know and here's there's a mini playoff um and you kind of work that down to where you have it you know SEC 4 and Big 12 3 and Big 10 5 you know something like that and i think that would be i think that would that would get um, uh, like, bull-watching viewership numbers up, I think that would drive a lot of revenue. Um, I think it would just be fun. Like, to be able to see, you know, and, and it wouldn't necessarily, like, you could even, like, try to bring in other teams. Like, you could bring in, like, a Mac, like, the first-place team from the Mac playing, like, the third-place team from the Big 12. You know, just, like, fun stuff like that to try to, like, get some experimentation of, you know, how good are these non-Power 5 teams. Um, and... Um, that would kind of work all the way down. Um, now here, here are some, some problems and I'll kind of talk about how to address them. So a lot of people might be like, okay, so how are you going to get people to go to all those games? Is it like going to be like, okay, the Alma bowl hosts the first part and then they go up? No. So here's, here's my idea. Just like in March Madness, you have regional sites. So it looked like this. So like in, in Houston, say NRG stadium, um, one weekend hosts six of the games. Um, and so Friday, you have a game at 11, you have a game at three, you have a game at seven. Saturday, the same thing. And um, for a ticket, you just buy a ticket for maybe that day or that weekend. And so you just get to go sit in a stadium and watch college football all day long. And I, I think that would definitely drive revenue. And so you kind of have those. And then the next weekend, the, the winners play in the championships, you know, again, Friday, Saturday at that stadium. You have that happening all over, you know, Houston and Dallas and Phoenix and Tampa and all over the place um, for those bowl games. Now I think there may have to be a cutoff. If, if if this was to happen, you might have to say, you know, only a certain like make the minimum like a seven win like season or something like that, just to try to get so it's not just like you know where we have like a hundred teams making bowl games like it is this year or whatever. Um, but I think that'll be a fun idea. I don't think it'll ever happen, but if you're on the college football playoff committee and you're watching this, maybe be like, hey, let's do this. Just just throwing it out there. Uh, but I I do think. Um, I do think it'd be a fun idea. I think it would create. I think there could be some good articles written about that, like you know, throwing four random teams in in a playoff and what would happen, or like four like level teams from like all different conferences. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, really quick, I do want to talk a little bit of college football. Just give uh, a couple predictions. Um, obviously, I feel like my top four and nobody's top four has really changed in a while. It's Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan just because those teams keep winning and the teams behind them haven't had any any more impressive wins. Obviously, Georgia, it's going to come down to can they beat Alabama in the, in the SEC championship game? Michigan's going to come down to can they beat Ohio State and then Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. Notre Dame really comes down to this week at Syracuse, if they can win that. There, and I know they have USC next week, but this is a banged-up USC team who's, uh, I believe their starters at one point had missed like 36 games combined. Um, and so I think, you know, all these teams are down to like one or, or one or two games it could get chaotic if you know say like Georgia beats Alabama so now you have a one loss Georgia SEC champion you have a one loss Alabama who lost the SEC championship but they're Alabama um you know you have a Clemson you have Notre Dame then you have one loss Michigan or one loss Ohio State and then you have one loss Washington State or one loss OU or what it could get crazy and i think um i've heard some things people saying you know if you get one of those if you get a one loss team left out from the playoff who is from a uh, a Power Five conference? We're going to a sixteen playoff next year immediately, so that's going to be interesting to watch. If um, if if some teams, you know, an OU, a Washington State, West Virginia, if some, one of those teams can have one loss and not make the playoff, that could happen. Um, but I don't think there's any reason to say that the top four is going to change um, as of this point. I think the top four right now appear to be the best four teams in the country, and I think it's hard to deny that. Um, and so as far as that the college football playoffs is working working well right now I do think a couple teams that are, are a little overranked um, LSU I don't know why in the world they're ranked seventh um, which again shows more SEC bias they have no chance of winning the um, the college football playoff because they're out of the SEC title race so why are they ahead of um, they're ahead of Washington State why is that um, yeah they beat Georgia but they you know they lost by almost 30 points at home to Alabama, that shouldn't happen. Also, Kentucky's ranked 17th ahead of Washington. Both teams have three losses, but Kentucky's look really bad in their three losses. Even their wins haven't looked good, so I think they're a little overrated. Um, I, do, I, I do love the fact, I think Texas 15, Iowa State 16, I think that's good, and I think that'll set up for a, a really exciting matchup Saturday night, 7 o'clock at DKR. Anyways, that's all we got from the show. Not exactly sure if we'll be doing one next week because of Thanksgiving break, but we'll definitely be back after the Kansas game um, two weeks from now. So from the Thomas Fitch Sports Show, I'm Thomas Fitch. Hookem horns.